Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back, everyone. We have a really great show based on all the feedback from yesterday. <laughs> you guys like us talking about how to get out of complacency, and I definitely can understand why, because complacency is one of those things that sneaks up on you. And it's like, uh, you know, it's one of those things that you wake up one day and then you realize, oh, my gosh, I let sometimes days, years, decades get by where I wasn't really focused and paying attention and now I've created or manifested this problem and I need to turn it around. And maybe, and this leads into our next point that we're about to share with you, maybe it has to do with specifics and how you're running your real estate business. Um, So what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be finishing out our points, I think. And then, Julie, I've had several requests from people in email asking for specifics on um, the Premier Coaching Program. So I think we should talk about that a little bit more today how it can help them get out of complacency and maybe give them a little bit more uh, information on it. We never try to sell you guys anything on this podcast. This podcast is all about basically providing tremendous, hopefully you agree, value to the real estate community and also a lot of small business owners. We see our statistics and we've got a lot of non-real estate small business owners that like to listen. So I'm going to share with you guys uh, a summary of probably three emails I received as a result of yesterday's podcast. And all of these um, revolve around really, in essence, the same thing. And, this, and that was essentially trying to pursue, and then we're going to get to the next point. But I want you to, I want to put this in context. So I like to frame this out for you guys because I know a lot of you listen to us when you're you know, in the midst of your day, you're exercising. I've had people text pictures uh, from their Teslas listening to us on their cars. Or uh, my favorite, of course, is the ones where you guys text pictures of us um, I text pictures of your iPhones listening to our uh, show while you're drinking wine. I like those the best. Those are kind of funny. Anyway, so the moral of the story is, is I need to help you guys put your minds in the right place to receive information. And so here's where I think we can all agree it makes the most sense for you to be observatory of yourself with regards to as to whether or not you are complacent or not. And here it is, your business. And so in your business, and I'm a, here's the here's the story. And I share. I started to type this out the second time today, to the uh, you know I received three emails asking me similar things, and I was telling them the same story over and over. And I decided instead just to basically tell them to listen to today's show, and I was going to share with them a story, in light of their emails. And so here it is. I'm going to tell you a personal story, which you guys also know. Julie and I don't really talk about much, but I think this will definitely put it in context for you. So our first, Julie and I have been in real estate forever. We're in our late 40s. We've been in the industry for, you know, essentially, I don't know, over just like 25 years. We got, we, we bought our first house and got into real estate while we were still in college, um, you know, back in our early 20s. Bought our first house. I think I was 23 and Julie was 22, something like that. Maybe it was, no, I think that's right. So in any event, um, our first full year selling real estate after we got licensed we sold 103 houses, including our pendings. Now, that had never been done before in the National Association of Realtors. No one had ever, you know, essentially uh, had documented anything like that. There would, as far as I know, it's never been done since. Now, these the sales we did 
were all single-family houses. We didn't get lucky and list a condo development. Believe me, we would have preferred <laughs> to have gotten lucky, but we didn't. We went after for sale by owners. We went after expireds. We went after anything and everybody that we could uh, do a real estate transaction with. And as a result, we sold over 100 houses. Now, we didn't plan on selling 100 houses our first year. Matter of fact, we didn't, you know, guys, come on, let's be honest. Julie and I were not organized. We did not know what we were doing then, really. I mean, you're saying, what the hell are you talking about, Tim? You did over 100 units. But what did we did do is we worked hard. We, without knowing it, we our sort of business life philosophy that we share with you guys all the time of doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level. We had, we entered into the industry, you know, Julie likes to say we had the goal of paying off our student loans, you know, because we had accumulated 47,000 in student loans. We paid them off our first year. You know, she, that's her reason. That's her remembering what our motivation was. But truthfully, in addition to that, the reason that we sold over 100 houses is because no one told us we couldn't, and we weren't tracking how many houses we had sold. And so we were just selling houses because we enjoyed doing it, because it beat the hell out of what our alternatives were as far as normal jobs. You know, So we yeah. wanted to uh, be We didn't successful, know that was like but we a had, thing to sell a lot. We, we had no idea. We just had like, yeah. you know, certain things we were trying to accomplish in life. And we had some systems worked out. We knew if we talked to enough people that we were going to do some deals. You know, like we knew enough to be dangerous, as they say. Right. But we didn't, we didn't have – we had some scripts that we picked up here and there. But really, for the most part, we just got the concept, you know, of what we – our first few houses, we did not know how to write the purchase contract. Uh, Julie yeah. could tell you horror stories about our first few closings. I mean, the, all this happened. Now – as a result, we can tell, talk on and on about it, but you get the gist of it. it. We didn't do it by accident, but we didn't do it through thorough planning. I'll just leave it at that. That's an accurate summary of essentially what we did. Yeah. But that first year in the business, we learned some fundamentals that we learned from experience, not from people telling us. So I'll tell you one of the biggest things, and this is a, quite, a, a slight aside, is that first year in business, we had almost like a 90% profit margin. We were not buying leads. We were not doing any marketing. We were not doing all the things that, you know, there was always some form of lead buying going on since the beginning of forever. So don't think just because, you know, it's now since uh, the 90s when the Internet came around that somehow magically that's when lead buying started. No, there was always forms of buying leads back then and always will be. But we didn't do any of it. We did it the real way that we show you guys how to do it so you can have huge margins and make a lot of money. But really, it's because nobody told us we couldn't. Nobody, we didn't go to office meetings. We didn't go to any conventions. We didn't, there were no podcasts then. This was before the internet, okay? The internet didn't really come, on, uh, come around uh, commercial-wise until the mid-90s. So there was really no uh, way for us to seek out, and even the internet when it came out was terrible. You know, it was, there were no organized websites. There was no, play, there was no Google. There was no anything. You know, I'm only saying that for all you millennials. <laughs> you know, everyone else yeah. remembers that. So the moral of the story of what I'm trying to share with you is because after we had sold 100 and some houses per year, we was, again, not by design, not by planning. We actually became somewhat of national celebrities in the real estate industry. National Association of Realtors found out. We got – and back in the day, National Association of Realtors, they still have a magazine – but the magazine that they'd mail out every month was essentially like, you know, 
it was when you got that magazine from National Association of Realtors every month, that was a huge thing. Everyone talked about the articles, if you can imagine that. Everyone talked about, you know, just the content. People re referred to it. NAR did a great job producing studies and, you know, just all kinds of good stuff. They still do, but people now have essentially, they expect to go to the Internet for their research, not a magazine. But they made us, uh, they gave us this uh, recognition of, uh, I think it was, uh, it was a National Association of Realtors Rookies of the Year or some – I don't remember the exact label of it. But from there, oh, my gosh, things got nutty. We got uh, – Remax flew us out to Colorado. We met Howard Britton. We were on just this, this, that, and the other. And then things got really crazy. We didn't even – listen, guys, I promise you, we didn't even have any design on, or plan on this. Then we started getting calls uh, mostly from Remax offices and then Remax regions. And, oh, my gosh, without – Without any real, again, thought to it, Julie and I were being invited and paid to go different places to speak. And now, we did not know how to speak. We did not know what to present. We did not know anything. But we did a first few of these events, and people really seemed to like us. And so someone asked us to come up with a name of a book, and we came, or write a book. And, well, we did. It's no longer, no longer around anymore. It was called Zero to Ten Million in, in One Year, at, or the first year, I don't remember. But anyway, so it was a book that we wrote, and we self-published it, and we made, I don't remember how many copies of it, but they all sold out. And they sold out from just doing these events. And then we, it just, guys, you get the idea, okay? It, now, where did all that come from, just for the record? It all came from, and still does come from, hard work. That's it. Oh, Tim, you say that all the time, because it's true. Now, this show is about complacency, so I want to tell you where we went wrong. So it sounds like Tim and Julie are lighting the world on fire. Well, we were. And, you know, I remember one of the questions Howard Britton asked us when we were on that REMAX satellite network thing. Again, some, uh, you know, a little trippy uh, right there for those of you who have been in business for a while. Remember when brokers had satellite being beamed into their offices for special announcements from the <laughs> holy leader back in the real estate, you know, Rome, whatever, right? So here's what happened. Howard asked us this question, and I didn't know the answer. I didn't even understand the question, let alone know how to answer it. He goes, Tram and Joy, you know, uh, what are you going to do to prevent sophomore slides? And I was like, I wasn't, a, you know, I had no idea what that meant. Julie didn't know what that meant. And so, you know, <laughs> we had to ask him to clarify. And he said, what are you going to prevent, do to prevent from obviously not doing as well your second year as you sold your first year? Well, we kicked our second, our first year's ass our second year. And we, I remember we increased our, uh, our, in, our revenue and our units, but our revenue is what Julie and I were always focused on our, and our net income. We increased that by 50% our second year, and by a third year, it just kept on increasing. And so we did that for about 10 years. But here's what happened. Around, now, our, uh, in the industry in the 90s, um, you know, we are pretty famous. And we still are, but I'll have to tell you, Julie and I are so burned out on being famous from bad experience that we really have no uh, desire to relive that lifestyle. But here's what we discovered. As we became more famous, as we be, all of a sudden we started mingling with more elite and special people and, ha and be invited to more special group meetings and, you know, exclusive things here and exclusive things there. We do all that because we thought that's what you were supposed to do. We didn't know any better. We were dumb. We thought, well, if we – here, here it is. We were doing really well, making great net income in our real estate business, and then all of a sudden – we started having all these people kiss our butts. And neither one of us had ever received that level of ego gratification before in our lives. Guys, we were just in our mid-20s at this point. So we had no emotional uh, mechanism to essentially handle all that 
avalanche of attention that we received. So we then started listening to people who gave us really, as it turned out, shitty advice. Now, it wasn't people intending to give us shitty advice. It was just the advice they had to give turned out to be shitty. And the advice that they told us, get ready. You're gonna, you guys are gonna, you're gonna be surprised. Here's what they told us to start doing. They told us to start a team. They told us to start doing branding, advertising, and marketing. They told us that the way that we'd be getting business successfully, making hundreds of thousands of dollars per year in our 20s, they told us it was wrong. That the new ways to do it were this, that, and the other, and all of those things that they told us to do, we were not smart enough to realize had no relationship whatsoever to profit. All they were doing is talking about stuff that we'd later come to realize was just about ego. It wasn't about making money. Now, again, I know this is shocking because you guys hear these, so these ideas that you see everywhere now, the marketing, the branding, the buying leads, the fancy this is and the other things, all this crap, it all got its genesis, it, it started its genesis then. And, uh, Gary Keller's book, great in you know, the Red Book. It was started at, it was written during that same time, based on some of the exact information that was coming from the Howard Britton Group, which Julie and I became uh, members of. I'm, what I'm telling you, I want you to hear what I'm saying. The Red Book, as it's as it's come known, it was written on using information that was gathered from the same people that were telling Julie and I, giving us well-meaning advice. God bless them, right? well-meaning advice that had nothing to do with profit. It just had to do with ego. And we started to listen to them. We didn't know any better. Why would somebody twice our age, if not older, who has a, you know, their own plane and their own this and the other things and you know, seems like they've got, they got it all figured out, why would they give us bad financial advice? Well, they did. And so here's what happened. We started uh, to believe what they did, and we stopped and what they said, and we stopped doing what we knew worked but did, we're not confident in knowing that it was the smart way to do things. We stopped doing it after about year three, and we started doing more of these stupid things. Now, when it, we were making less profit, I was personally embarrassed to tell them at these super uh, – we'd meet at Rich Carlton's and Four Seasons, and you know Howard would have us all – There would be, I think there's only like 60 or eight of, 80 of us from mostly North America that would meet at these ridiculously expensive, fancy-ass places, nicer than any place Julie and I had ever been before. And we'd be sitting in these you know, rooms, and it would be a lot of people like we were somehow going to solve all the world's problems. I mean, it was just really this level of experience. Again, and Julie and I were always the youngest people in the room. So we were listening to all these people. We did not have enough life experience or anything to know what they were telling us was mostly bad ideas. But we did it, and we did it, and then we did it some more. And then we believed that it was going to work, and when it didn't work, we blamed ourselves. And so when we went back to them and they said it's not working, they say, oh, no, you just need to do it for longer, and you just need to you know, double, triple, quadruple it. I remember there were conversations, <laughs> as I'm kind of going down this memory lane, you guys understand why I'm telling you this story, right? It's the same thing. It's probably happening for most of you. Or if you're new in the business, you've got to avoid doing this because it's totally stupid. It was stupid then, but it's a thousand times more stupid now because the commissions have gone down. You guys are paying referral fees. I mean, Zillow's changed their premier agent program, and now if you want to be a premier agent, you have to pay them 35%. Who told you they were going to do that two years ago? Oh, yeah, I remember. Tim and Julie Harris did. Of course they are. 
So now you're getting used to it. It's become institutionalized. Agents have to buy their business left and right. 25% here, 30% there. Oh, then you have to pay your ridiculous this bill and that bill. And next thing you know, you're not making shit in your business. And you've come to expect that as being normal because you've surrounded yourself with other people who have equally as shitty net incomes. So your world is surrounded by confirmation bias. You're caught in an echo chamber of all these people who are constantly surrounding you, who are all stuck in complacency. See, you didn't think I tied in. I just did. Who are all stuck in complacency because they are afraid to or too lazy to break outside of their own self-imposed golden cage. Because, look, it's a nice life. People think you're successful. You look like you're successful. You talk like you're successful. You go maybe go on some nice vacations here and there. You probably live in a nice house and have you know two leased cars. So you have all the outward appearances of being successful. And maybe in your world you are successful, but you are maybe two or three bad months away from being flat-ass broke. True or false, listeners. Now, again, new agents, Midland agents, learn from the lessons that I'm telling you. So Julie and I, eventually, we made all the dumb mistakes that we try to get you guys not to do. We believed the people that were supposed to be our elders in the industry, and they were all wrong. They were wrong. And when we started to point out the fact that their business plans and their schemes and their teams were not inducing any more profit, when we started to say this, they got pissed at us because they did not want their complacency to be challenged. They did not want their complacency to be essentially, you know, put in put under examination because they were comfortable. They were a part of this elite group. And in this elite group you talk about the same things. You do the same things as everyone else. That's you guys understand. They were complacent. They are complacent about how to build profitable businesses. They are complacent about how to learn how to build profitable business. They are complacent about how to actually get rich. They all wanted to act rich as it's in Texas, they call it tall hat, no cattle, you know, and sometimes they call it at different parts of the country. They have similar sayings, but you guys get the gist, don't you? So that's where complacency sneaks in and kicks your ass in your business because you're doing postcards right now. You're doing uh, who knows what you're doing as far as lead generation. You're doing all kinds of silly stuff, and you're rationalizing that it's going to work someday because someone told you it would. All the while, you're not making any money from it. Why are you still doing it? Because you're too complacent to actually, what, figure out a smarter way, to, to figure out a, another way, to actually say, you know what, maybe the source of business, it was completely full of shit. How about this? Are How many other coaches out in the industry right now, uh-oh, self-serving, yes it is, but hear me out anyway, have actually sold real estate at the level that we did? How many? Do you even ask if the coach you're considering or the in-house coach or the office manager or the guy making the YouTube video, have you ever asked what their production was? Oh, well, that one sold 300 houses in a year. That's pretty good. What was their net profit? They don't talk about it. Why? Why don't they talk about how much profit they made? Because it's become so accepted to spend all of your money buying leads, doing dumb shit. So you can brag about the fact that you sold 300, 600,000 houses in a year. Woo, let's give them a plaque. You guys understand? Why did you get in this business? Did you get in this business just to have your butt kissed? That's easy. Did you get in this business to make a profit, to become rich, where your money works for you? And, you know, hey, guess what? Someday you won't have to work for money. Hey, I just changed it. That sounds pretty good. But the moral <laughs> of the story here is, is <laughs> the moral of the story here is, is this is how complacency kills you in your business. It sneaks in 
it becomes insidious. Oh, I'm not done yet. Oh. There are whole brokerages, whole broker Keller Williams, okay, that's built around this faulty business model. That's what they want you to do. They want you to build this. Now, here's how this has really gotten bad. Now, be offended if you'd like to. Argue with me if you want to. That's fine. But here, here's how it's really gotten bad. Brokerages are in on the game now, too. So I am tired of getting calls and emails. No, you can still call an email. I'm not saying you can't. But I'm tired of you guys getting abused by having people tell you, oh, you're, you know, if you want to be, okay, you sold 30 houses your, you know, last year. That's pretty good. Now it's time for you to build your team. Like somebody else is telling you what you're supposed to be doing in your business. And you guys don't have the courage to stand up and say, hell no, I'm going to make profit. My product is profit. Write that down. Never forget it. Your product of your real estate business or any business is profit. It's not a game. But look what happens in these brokerages. That one in particular. They start putting pressure on you. Oh, I'm a team leader. I'm an OP, I'm a this, I'm a the other thing. Okay, now you're essentially giving away profit for titles. You see what's happened? They've essentially taken over what was in your best interest for their best interest. Oh, I've got to add buyer's agents. I've got to do all this other stuff. No, you don't. Guys, listen. It is a simple fact that the business right now, and this is the reason these tech companies see us as a bunch of dummies, because our industry has allowed them to see us as a bunch of dummies. Look what we've allowed to happen. We've built, essentially, we get these faulty beliefs about how to be successful, assuming success is about making a profit through being a service to others. And we've essentially replaced it with these grand big ego-based teams. And then we invited these tech companies in to produce these products that allow these teams to exist through you know, CRMs and all this other stuff. You have got to see the insanity of it all. You have to define your success by the profit you make. From the profit you make, you reinvest and you can become rich where your money works for you. You no longer have to work for your profit. Or have to work for your money, rather. So, Julie, any thoughts on all of this? I know I burned through almost 30 minutes. So that was <laughs> okay. a good rant. That was a that level was a good rant. 11. That's good. Got it out. That was, a, that was 11 11. <laughs> it was. Maybe we should end here. Well, my thoughts were that I, you know, part of this I think comes from doing the live premiere coaching calls every day because it always makes me appreciate, you know, our past Tim and Julie experiences are largely what allows us the blessing of being able to help you guys. If we didn't have that, We'd be pretty crappy coaches, quite honestly. I mean, would you, would you take any kind of lesson from somebody who didn't do it? Would you learn tennis from somebody who only read a book, right? So, I, I mean, part of it is it makes me appreciate all the things that we've gone through so that we can save these guys from some of those same mistakes. Back when we were coming up in real estate, there wasn't any coaching, for example. You just had trial and error. And oftentimes, I remember when we would make mistakes, Okay. And what would Rory say? Well, guess how much did that mistake cost you? Rory is our broker, of course. And we'd say, well, it costs that much. And he'd say, well, guess you won't do that again. Right. So that's part of it. But I also remember, and I can appreciate sometimes why they are drawn in by things like building a team and buying leads, uh, but especially the building the team and getting the title and calling yourself this and that and the other thing is because 
you know, deals I don't think have gotten that much easier. I think they've probably gotten a bit more challenging. There's certainly more paperwork involved, more negotiating, secondary negotiating, and it can kick you in the teeth now and then. That's a fact. So if somebody pitches you that, well, now it's time to build your team so that you won't have to do that anymore. Somebody else will do that for you, and you can just tell them what to do. Well, you know, that's kind of enticing until you look at the facts and the truth of it that that's not a walk in the park. It comes with its own issues. And meanwhile, you're driving your profit into nothing. But I, I guess my thoughts were I do understand why that can be very tempting. And you've got to resist and continue to do the things that drive real profit to your bottom line so that you don't have to have all these other distractions because that's what it is at the end of the day. That's what I was thinking as you were having rant level 11. Well, so look, uh, Guys, I'm going to give you my cell phone number, and I want you to text me. Don't call. I won't answer if you call. It's 512-758-0206. If you want to finally break free of the insanity, and I, I'm not going to blame you for maybe have slipped into the clutches of that way of thinking because it's really become just all over the industry. But if you want to have a private conversation with me about how you can actually essentially, maybe for the first time in your life, get your business head screwed on straight and actually have a very profitable real estate practice, I will tell you in 30 minutes the framework of how to do it. You can also purchase our book on um, Amazon, get it from Barnes & Noble. It's just called Harris Rules. Go get that book. It's green book, green like money. Go get the book. It's a great book. Um, the audible version of the book won't be coming out probably till next year. Julie and I are incredibly busy. But in the meanwhile, get the book. Or if you'd like to have a direct conversation with me, just text me at 512-758-0206. I want you to take all this seriously because here's what's going to happen if you don't. Okay. Oh, it sounds like a threat. Well, it is because here is what's going to happen if you don't. There's going to be another downturn, no doubt. When it'll happen, nobody knows. This, you know, this is an unprecedented historic boom that's gone on for longer than any other has before, kind of recently casting really what to expect from the economy and housing. It's been fantastic, I think, to be honest with you. But here's what's going to probably happen. When there is a correction, it'll probably happen fast. It'll happen where everyone's saying, how the hell that happened? And then like two or three years later, a bunch of people will say, oh, I saw that was going to happen. I warned everybody. But look, duh, there's going to be another slowdown. That's the way it works. You're not ready, okay? And if you have a team and if you don't have certain practices in place, you're going to take too long after the train has left the station. And that's what I've seen happen. And so when Julie and I, you can say impassioned if you'd like, when we are impassioned in our podcasts and our coaching calls and saying what we say, when we write what we write, when we do what we do, it's for the reason that Julie just stated. Because we have had, we're coaches, we're professional coaches. This is what we do. We have conversations with people, sometimes of an intimate nature, about essentially what they need to be doing now to get their financial heads screwed on straight. And what we've seen and what breaks my heart if you allow it to happen to you is after the market changes, you aren't ready. We saw absolute widespread financial devastation in the real estate industry on an individual practitioner level during the last slowdown. Did your broker step in and save your ass then? Did your team step in and save your ass then? No. And what you're going to do is what everyone always does. Whatever savings you have, you're going to throw at trying to perpetu perpetuate your bad ideas or the ones that someone else has given you to try to keep working. Oh, no, hold on. Keep on with the team. Keep on buying leads. 
Nope, uh, Bob, no, no, you guys keep on doing the direct mail, but I'm not selling any houses, says Bob. Doesn't matter. Keep it up. Don't want to stop it. If you stop it, you're going to, you know, you're going to ruin the investment you've made in your postcards for the last three years. Yes, you've only got two deals from it ever, and you're losing money on it, but who cares? Keep doing it, and you're going to do it because you're getting bad advice, and you're going to do a whole bunch of other things because you're getting bad advice. All the while, you're burning through your savings. You're running up your chart. You guys, look, this is what happens. It happens every single time because people are complacent and they're afraid to actually take action. So here's an interesting fact, and I'll leave it this today's show with you on this point. So there's been lots of studies that have done, and we talked about this in Harris Rules. Actually, we talked about this extensively in Harris Rules, and we actually interviewed two psychologists about this because Julie and I didn't know enough about it. And we're not psychologists, so we wanted to make sure we'd done our homework on this before we wrote about it. So there's been a lot of research that's been done as to whether or not people are more motivated by gaining something or losing something. And it's the old carrot or the stick thing, right? But it turns out it's really neither. It's losing something you already have, which is the greatest motivator. And so what people do is when they're in fear of, listen to what your coach is telling you, their fear of losing their, self, their perception of self, and that would be how they see themselves or how they perceive other people see them in their society as a smart business owner or as a successful this or a whatever, okay? So the image that they've built, their ego has built for themselves, if they perceive they're going to lose that, they will do absolutely irrational things to try to save it because what motivates people is fear of losing something you already have. And your ego, if it senses it's going to lose its perception of itself, then you guys will literally third mortgage your houses. You'll spend everything that you ever can possibly earn just to try to maintain the illusion just another day longer. I know for a fact that's what most of you are going to do if, not otherwise, if you don't otherwise break out of complacency and take control of what you're doing. Actually look with a microscope and a scalpel, by the way, into not just the finances. That's the easy shit. To go in there and analyze and look at spreadsheets, that's nothing. It doesn't take anything. But really to get into your head and figure out what your philosophy is, and you're going to self-discover that you might not even have a philosophy. You've been essentially – someone else has installed their faulty software into your head about how to think about business. That's happened. It happened to us. I told you the story, and we broke free of it. We got rid of our team. We stopped doing the dumb shit that we've been talked into doing. We went back to doing business the way we'd done it for the first few years, and our profit went through the roof again. And we started buying rental houses again. And we started being successful again in a way that we wanted to be successful, and that's the reason that Julie and I were able to accumulate dozens of rental properties. You guys can do the same thing if that's what your goal is. But understand, if you're not clear about what your goal is, somebody else is going to define it for you. And the goal that they design for you is going to be in alignment with their goals, not yours. Their best interest, not yours. That's what happens. That's what happened before. It's what's happened with some of you over the decades of your life. Right now, you're maybe in your 50s, your 40s, your 30s, and you do not even realize all the ways that other people have loaded their faulty software into your head, and you've pissed away massive amounts of your time because you were too complacent to really go through and challenge your way that you're thinking about family, you know, the way you're thinking about finances, health, education, uh, the way you're thinking about wealth, the way you're thinking, period, needs to be uprooted and then upgraded. And you need to be the one to do it because no one else is going to do it for you. Well, Hopefully we can. So do consider if you're interested in having a private conversation with me about obviously coaching, 
do text me, 512-758-0206, and I will do anything I can to get you in the right direction uh, that you need to have for your business and personal life so that you're not one of these people that's caught on their heels or worse when the next market change happens, which is going to happen. So we are obviously going to talk about this topic tomorrow because we didn't even get to our first point. Uh, and uh, yeah, or rather our sixth point, we didn't finish it. So we're going to finish this topic out hopefully tomorrow. Guys, let me know if this is making an impact on you. Let me know if we're helping you. Let me know if you like the direction that we're going with this series of podcasts. It's a topic that's near and dear to our hearts because Julie and I know that complacency has crept into our lives before, and we know for a fact it can creep into anyone's because Julie and I, you know, we pride ourselves in being very, I think, uh, goal-oriented and hardworking and diligent, but still it sneaks in. And so if it sneaks into our lives, it certainly sneaks into yours as well. If there's anything we can do for you, just text me 512-758-0206. Thanks. Have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.